Hi, it's Bill Bishop from The Big Idea Company, and this is another episode of Big Idea Television, and today we're going to talk about how to start a record label, so I'm really interested to hear, hear all about that, and we have with us today Alex DeRoche. Hi. Yeah, and he's got a company called Not Dark Yet Music, which is a music label, and uh, it's a, an interesting kind of record label. We're going to talk about how you got your business started and how it's going, and maybe some advice to people. So, so Alex, tell us about not dark yet music like what's okay, it all yeah. about so not dark yet music we're, we're a record label we mainly focus on uh vinyl reissues so when i say reissues i mean legacy music music that um has already been put out in a past generation um and we're we're bringing it back to life uh-huh. um so we again we sp- specialize in putting music out on vinyl um as you've probably heard it's quite popular and there's been a huge resurgence since 2008 and it seems to be sort of the the physical media that that the the physical media of choice for for most collectors and a a lot of people who are buying physical media Um, Uh so okay so the two things that are kind of unique about what you're doing is one is Mm -hmm. they're they're it's just vinyl so you're yep for the most part, we'll get into some of the other things you're doing, but mm-hmm. vinyl is kind of the, uh, the the main thing. Yep. And then the other thing is these are uh, albums or records that have came come out like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, maybe. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. So, okay. so again, a lot of what we do is um, stuff that might have been released in the 70s or the uh-huh. 80s or maybe even the late 60s. Right. Um, and it it was released. Uh, maybe it didn't sell as well as it could have, or it just got overlooked for whatever reason, and then sort of disappeared forever and we we unearth it we we repackage it we tell a story behind the music and uh-huh. and and sell it as if it's new we try and shine a light back on it right right so uh, so can you give us an example of some of the music that you've got um uh in your yeah collection? so we um yeah. have a global focus so we're not typically um pigeonholed into one genre or or one region uh-huh. um we tend to go to regions that um, might be outside of the box and try and find music that um, is, is saleable in, in North America and might might sell, say, in a, a middle America setting or something, but yeah. you would never, ever find it. Uh-huh. Um, so we're doing a lot of work in regions like South Africa, Zambia, a lot of Caribbean uh, music from St. Lucia, mm-hmm. um, some artists from the Bahamas, Martinique, and really um, a lot in Indonesia, actually. Um, and really taking this music that it's not available um, in North America or, uh-huh. or Europe for the most part and, and introducing it and um, giving it to collectors in a way that they're uh, going to want to add it to their collection on colored vinyl with special editions and liner notes and right. um, really, really nice packaging. Yeah, like this one here, you uh, you uh, gave me a copy of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me about that that particular uh, record. So, uh, funny story, this is actually the, the record that sort of started Not Dark Yet music in, in a sense. And Not Dark Yet, uh, we also work with uh, a number of uh, sort of subsidiary labels that are also under our umbrella, uh-huh. but also not exclusively us, also some partner labels with, with people that we're friendly with and we help distribute their music as well. Right. Um, so this particular release was released on uh, Tooth Factory, which is, um, again, a, a branch of Not Dark Yet. 
Okay. Um, so is that like a, a brand of that company? Exactly. Yeah. So okay. Tooth Factory is really focused on um, African reissues. Mm-hmm. So this this particular record is a uh, is sort of a funk jazz record from 1976. Yeah. Uh, in South Africa, it was a uh, a sold well in, in, at that time yeah. in South Africa, but never really branched out of there. So. Um, was basically something that hadn't been heard for for a long time and we were able to track down the rights owners and and come to an agreement with them to remaster the whole project from analog tape and reissue it on a new package and sort of bring it bring it back to the world and it's it's really a great record and it's it's the record that sort of spawned the whole company because it, it wasn't the first release that we put out yeah yeah i love it yeah so um so just kind of walk us through all the steps of you know like we're talking about starting a record label mm-hmm. but maybe we could just start with how it actually works to be a record label maybe we could just start there right yeah so again there's there's many different avenues i guess you could go to to start a record label uh-huh. um as i'll focus on what it would be like to maybe do what we're doing which would be reissuing um, music. Uh-huh. Um, not that it would be so different to start a record label with new music as well to sign, say, an up-and-coming artist and put their stuff out. It's similar concept. Right. right. Um, so basically music, when an artist creates music, there's um, they typically gain, have the rights to it. There's the master rights and then also the publishing rights. Mm-hmm. So this the the first like the genesis step would be to find the rights holder to music um in our case music that's already been made or if you were doing um a record label trying to sign an up-and-coming artist striking a deal with um somebody that has music that hasn't been released yet right so Um, the rights are either owned by the musician or the maybe the person that yeah, wrote so the song, or it, or even like a publisher, maybe. It, yeah, kind of. it's it's typically a mix of both. Okay. The, um, so, um, in our case, the first uh, step is, and often the hardest step is finding the rights holder. Now, for us who were were tracking down music from um, 50, 40 years ago, yeah, um, in regions that obviously we're not able to actually go there and set set down on the soil and start finding and people in person um it can be hard to track down the actual rights holders um for a record made in 1978 in zimbabwe or something right. like that right so yeah um a lot well, how, of, how do you know about the music in the first place um so that comes down to us being collectors okay and also uh having DJs and just having our ear to the streets and, and what what is sort of obscure and and, and interesting and interesting right, right? records right. Okay. that yeah. records that you might see on shelves and in, in really good shops but they're selling for for a thousand bucks and up or something like that extremely rare copies and, and yeah because it was it, that. that that particular vinyl record was made yeah 30 years ago and there's only three of them left or something exactly okay. so that that's right. typically a good okay that's good. a good sign to say okay this is something that the the market wants or, uh-huh. or would sell yeah so first step one would be making sure that you acquire the rights everything we do um it is done legally there are a lot of reissue labels out there that are 
walking a, a thin line or a gray area. That's not what we do. We we always make sure that we have the rights in place and that the, the rights owner, whether it's the artist or a company that owns a catalog of music for, from the artist, yeah. um, they're getting their pay. Uh, and once we have tracked that down, um, it's, it's a contract that we enter with them where we typically pay in advance. Um, so a sum of money um, that is either upfront, you're gonna say if we're gonna manufacture 1,000 discs yeah. of say your record, we work out a, a per record total. So just for sake, say $2 per record. Right. And we, we pay that upfront. Um, that's to give a, them $2,000? Yeah, something okay. like that, $2,000. Yeah. That's right. just a, a working sum of money yeah, just yeah. to make it easy. Um, and that's either the advance. And then there's other ways to structure the deal as well where you might um, pay a little bit of an advance or and then work out some back end where maybe the 25% of back end sales goes to somebody, 50%. It's really mm -hmm. a case-by-case -case basis, and it's it's... Now you, now you don't own unique. you don't own the rights now to that music, but you have the rights to distribute it. Yeah, so it again, it's it's case by case. There right. are certain um, we typically request the rights to the music for exclusively for a period of time, so okay. maybe five years or something, right? So that we can completely rep the catalog. Now, when we're going to a, an artist and saying we're going to license for vinyl reissue. That is an exclusive contract just to put it out on vinyl. It would be right. a sep separate contract if you want to do CDs or tapes or uh, put it on Spotify. That's that's typically different. Right. Um, so it's it, the contract's different depending on the situation, right? It is. It's yeah. a, again fully right. case by case, and but the but the artist is usually pretty motivated because the right now they're not making any money from it probably. Exactly and right. There's, and they're yeah. and they're like you come to them and go, wow, amazing, and they're going to do this. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's it. A lot of times, it it's wow. You want to put this out, and it's just been sitting there. Uh, other times, um, it they there might be, they may still be a touring musician in in St. Lucia or something that's actually doing quite well, but it's just never left the island or something like that. And now, right. Um, so it, again, it's fully case by case. Uh -huh. One thing to expand past vinyl, which which we do and is a big part of our business, is we do ask to be an agent for the publishing yeah if um the artist or the rights owner whoever it is um we and that's something we do non-exclusively we just want to be able to rep the publishing so that we can potentially work on synchronization licenses for commercials uh films and um, yeah, it's yeah. A, so you were saying yeah. that that's actually a, a really big opportunity that, yeah that it kind is. of thing it's, it's kind of use it for a commercial or an soundtrack of a movie or something exactly you could that could be some really yeah. really good money there it is yeah. and um it's it's also something that as our goal for the next sort of five years is to build our publishing catalog and the stuff that we have rights to mm -hmm. um so we could say we have two thousand songs here um and we can approach netflix or something and say here's a here's a list of two thousand pre-cleared songs if you ever want to use them in anything here's yeah. our standard contracts right. and it that's that's a huge um roadmap thing for us that's uh -huh. what we want to do okay so that's sort of like phase one you got the rights to the music mm -hmm. the artist is happy with the whole contract you've got and everything okay so now now i guess phase two is when you actually produce 
the actual record, right? Yes. Okay, so tell us about how that happens. So we, we acquire lights, uh, the rights to the music. We have our license. Um, then we sit down and we have to do all the, the restoring of the audio and the, the art, right? We typically, there's, again, there's, everything's so unique and, and case by case, but in, yeah. the, in the perfect world, we have master tapes mm -hmm. uh, somewhere, maybe in the artist's basement, or if we're dealing with a, with a catalog, um, like a, another record label sometime that might own the rights to 20,000 um, records and we've licensed it from them because they didn't even know they have it in some in some cases okay and we we go to them and say hey we want to pay you for this and they go wow we didn't even know we have rights to this you can have it sure right um, okay yeah cause, so yeah you're really you're picking up the sort of things that have been are great but people have kind of forgotten about them or something well, yeah, yeah well yeah it's unique because yeah. there's uh, there's just especially with big music companies like Concord or Sony and stuff, they own such big catalogs and they've acquired so many companies over the years that mm -hmm. oftentimes they don't even know what they're sitting on. Okay. So we try and go in and say, okay, there's an opportunity here. They're never going to do it. And they're just happy to, wow, there's a paycheck for it, right? And right. it wasn't on their, their mind at all. But anyway, if we have ma master tapes, mm -hmm. um, we, we obviously remaster everything from from the actual master tapes yeah um that's the simplest way and that's sort of step one to to getting this to market in a lot of cases especially with um music from from regions that um might have experienced hurricanes or something like that the master tapes were destroyed yeah so we typically need to find um a mint condition like still in shrink wrap original copy of the record okay now, so we, you can actually take one of the it's not those records that are yeah it's not the most ideal it's not our our uh -huh. like what we we always want master tapes but sometimes yeah. they just they got destroyed in a fire or something like that or right. who knows the artist lost them or yeah, threw yeah. them out um what so about a cd could you use that you could but it's huh. not you we, we we avoid that we're okay. that you start ending up with um we're trying to put out it's stuff. It's just that's a CD on a vinyl record. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not going to be that good, right? But we we yeah. can you can get a really decent master off a, a ma like a, mm -hmm. a vinyl c copy that isn't. It has to be mint condition, and yeah, we we have a really um, top notch sort of restoration setup mm -hmm. um, on an audio file system that um, can get a really really nice master. So. There. Yeah, I'll just say, I just want to say, like this particular one, I mean, I'm not an audiophile by any, any, by any means, but um, but I've listened to it a few times, and it, it sounds mm -hmm. perfect. Like, it, you yep. know, it sounds like brand new music, really. And, it, and yeah. honestly, it's 95% of what we release is from original analog master tapes, including uh -huh. this release here. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, those, those were remastered right. from the... So the, the quality, the quality of it's really important. Yeah, obviously. Well, yeah. of course, everything we're trying to put out needs to be right. um, top notch. We don't want to be associated as a label with um, sort of shoddy releases. Just kind of or, knocking it off. Right? Yeah, or sound yeah. like we're bootlegging it or something like yeah. that. Because that's not that's not the goal. Yeah, that's good. So, and so, uh, so then you, you now you make the master from the master tape, the yep. master that makes the presses the vinyl record yep <laughs> okay yeah i'm just kind of imagining it you, yeah you've explained it to me before yeah so yeah. like so audio restoration same with art mm -hmm. we, we need to completely uh revamp the artwork usually and and just 
restore it. Uh, yeah. So we, we obviously have an art department that um, Photoshop and just through restoration, we can make the colors brighter and stuff like that for right. a release. Okay. Often we're restoring the art from an original vinyl copy or something like that uh -huh. because it's not like in 1977 they had just a digital file with the artwork like we do now right they it was probably like a print proof that who knows in 50 years they probably got thrown out or lost right. or something right so, so you got you got to look at the yeah the art right on the record exactly so yeah. we typically take a high quality scan and then from there we can restore it and mm -hmm. um, then we have our packaging then we put everything into the plant um, to get manufactured now we and what sort of separates us from everything is we have in-house manufacturing. So uh, we don't rely on a third party to manufacture our product. Okay. We're, we're truly a full stack company is what I like to call it. Yeah. Uh, meaning that we, um, we license all of our music, we restore it all, we do all the art in-house, we manufacture the product, yeah. um, and we pump it out to distributors around the world right and we also do direct to customer sales through our web store yeah and beyond that we also can license music for publishing sync sync licenses and um, trying to take sort of complete control of, of our of our music yeah so here here's your um, your website right yeah with your records on there yep um, so like that it is another one you get me if I click on that well I can yep. see it bigger Right. Yep. So typically on our web store, all the versions will make um, multiple colorways. Yeah. So any one that is for sale on our web store is typically the rarest. Mm -hmm. um, say we're going to run a thousand records of a certain album. Yeah. Um, we'll typically do 50 to 100 just for the web store, um, meaning that it's on this exclusive, for example, like the exclusive uh, orange and black. Right, version. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, cause, because you have, you're controlling the manufacturing. Yeah, you can you can do all kinds of neat things with the the actual colors of the vinyl record itself. Exactly right. Yeah. So and it kind of goes with the artwork on the front. Yeah. So that's we nice. we t we we do a version yeah. that's that's for the Not Dark Yet website. Uh -huh. um, we obviously make a black copy that goes into we sell to our distributors, who then they sell to record stores and right um, all of, all across sort of Europe. Japan, America, Canada, yeah, and then we also have closer relationships with some of our distributors, where we um, might approach them and say, "Hey, we have a record um, you might be interested in. Maybe we can um, you take X amount of copies, um, and we'll do an exclusive colorway just for your company." Um, right. And again, we are able to do this because we have our in-house manufacturing to mm -hmm. to really be working on selling it right up until it needs to sort of get on press and yeah. get out the door. Yeah, yeah. So we have some wiggle room to to do some fun things there. Right. So how, how long ago did you start this? So Not Dark Yet um, is a true pandemic company. Um, huh? It really was um, came came to life sort of when sitting, sitting at home in the pandemic and working with my partner Jason mainly on the phone and just trying to get this off the ground but mm -hmm. uh it's it's new we've been doing this since 2020 yeah um and we have a pretty big year planned right now for uh -huh. 2022 um we should be on pace probably to get about 45 to 50 releases out this year wow amazing so that's so, almost like one a week almost yep that's yeah. that's our goal yeah and 
even beyond what we're doing on not, not dark yet music you'll see on our website we also sell records from uh, labels like sharp flat uh, strawberry rain and this is these are sort of labels we're friendly with and, and have a common bond in, in what we're doing and right. uh, it's just the sort of way to promote promote their music and also drive traffic to our website to sell our products. Yeah. So they yeah. promote, hey, we have a, a, an exclusive edition for sale on Not Dark Yet. Mm-hmm. Um, go there and buy it and then when they're, when they're there, there's incentive to maybe buy some of our products as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is really good. So um, now, is this one thing because this is kind of a cool thing that's been going on mm-hmm. is the popularity of vinyl records, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I remember uh, we got started, you know, we went through the whole thing. We had vinyl records, and then we got CD, like we got uh, tapes, eight mm-hmm. track, even I'm like showing my age here. Um, and then we got into CDs, and we started getting rid of our vinyl records, and mm-hmm. then that was just streaming. Right mm-hmm. through your little earpods or whatever earpods, and then uh, and then suddenly, in the last you know number of years, everybody's gotten all into vinyl again. Yep. So what do you what do you what do you think that is? Um, so, I I honestly just think that vinyl is, if if there was like a heavyweight boxing match with all tournament with all the the physical media versions, vinyl just would knock them all out. As far as the sound. When it comes to sound, collectability, experience, um, and as a a hobby, you know, because a lot of people that collect music it's it's what they do on saturday right mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they wake up they go to the record stores they they look around the shelves they're they're trying to find a record that maybe they haven't seen before yeah and then when you do find something it, it's um not only does it sound it blows all of the other formats out of out of the water yeah if it's done properly mm-hmm. um you also have the 12 inch jacket artwork with the liner notes and um, you feel like you're actually yeah, buying something it's, a, it's the tangible sort of yeah disc you know it 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 brings joy and i think that it's also just goes beyond to then just listening to the thing there's a whole sort of lifestyle to it and and the audio equipment and trying to Mm -hmm. tweak your sound and 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 get it sounding right and then also just the the culture of going to record stores Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think people it it resonates with people for whatever reason yeah Um, yeah i've always been into vinyl even before I started working in in the industry, I always thought it, it it just fascinated me. So I understand why why it came back, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I, I truly think that it's gonna gonna be the physical format forever. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it is the perfect sort of yin and yang with streaming and and vinyl, right? Because there's the convenience of streaming. It's in your pocket when you're riding the subway or yeah. going for a run, and then when you're sitting at home and really wanting to enjoy a record you love, you can put it on your turntable and, and get that high-end experience. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also good for your physical fitness because I, I put the record on and I was listening to it. <laughs> yeah. And I listened to about four or five songs and then, uh-oh, I got to get up and change the record. Like the, yep. the, the, the turntable I have, it doesn't even stand up and go back. <laughs> like I actually, it's like going at the end. I go, like, oh, I got to get up and actually yep. do some exercise here. So it's probably good for that too. For sure. It, it, yeah. makes, it makes you work. <laughs> It makes you work. Well, I think sure. that's actually part of the experience, though. It you're, is. You're engaging in it. There's a there's yeah. a whole other feeling of kind of uh, 
communion with it mm -hmm. as opposed to just listening to you know a song oh yeah i don't like that one click the next one and there's three billion songs on your well that's the thing iPhone, right? right like you, yeah. you break it down to side a and side b or mm -hmm. side c and side d if it's a double album and, yeah. and you listen to the album the way it's presented it, you're not skipping songs and yeah. Uh, yeah you you get a connection with the with the music you might not feel right. previously because you might go oh i don't like this song and just skip it uh, yeah. if you're listening on your iphone um, whereas on the album you're sort of forced to go through it and then maybe the second half of the song you go wow I, I sort of get this now right or, or it's, it's the kind of song you got to listen to a couple of times to really yeah get into it mm -hmm. you know and then you go okay glad i hung in there because it actually mm -hmm. kind of catchy but if you're just listening on your iPad, you go all right even the slightest little thing mm -hmm. you just click away right so yeah so this i think this is great for music and, too yeah it's yeah. It, a lot of what we're re releasing and uh -huh. what we target and the type of licenses we we go after um they're rooted in vinyl culture right yeah. there's a huge culture called digging culture oh yeah and it's it's if you're a dj or a big collector these are records that people look for and they've been trying to find in stores and are incredibly rare they're um, digging through the vinyl. They're digging through the crates. It's yeah, called okay. digging yeah, culture, yeah. Okay. right? Okay. So they're and they maybe they're they're hip hop producers that are looking for samples and uh -huh. these are records that it's a it's a rare Brazilian record that has some really good loop that would work perfectly for a hip hop song or something like that to be sampled. Right. But it's unfindable. Yeah. What we're really good at is finding them. That's and, cool. And it's uh, like your miners. Yeah, we are. And yeah. we're we're basically digging um and finding the records that a thousand people want to buy, but they've never seen an original copy. Uh -huh. We have a knack for sort of being able to find it, and yeah. then, let alone finding the record, finding the actual rights holder, and striking a deal with them to, to bring it back to life. So yeah. people that have been maybe looking for like a release we have coming up now, which is Boo and the True Tones, which is a big St. Lucian funk record, which is coming out in March, um, it's it's a record that sells for 300 us if you can find it uh -huh. um now does that person in middle america who likes the record or has been looking for it want to spend 300 us no right so it's reissued it's obviously not an original copy but now you have access to it and let alone are you ever going to find it in a store you're probably not and if you do you're pretty yeah. lucky yeah well so, there's not that many record stores anymore either so well it, yeah. it's also it, that's something that's growing as well but oh yeah uh, yeah okay. the, the record stores are coming back yeah obviously uh -huh. pandemic wasn't kind to retail right. but right. um there there are a decent amount of stores yeah, yeah. And, this is um, good yeah it's it's well it's, it's an interesting trend because like uh, yeah. in my book the dancing with robots i, I talk mm -hmm. about you know combining analog and digital you know and, yeah. and, it, and it's really about thinking about all these things sort of as a hybrid, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you have books, you know, you have your your Kindle reader, but you also want to read a printed book, you know. Mm -hmm. You have your streaming Apple Music, and then you have your vinyl record. I, I think these, exactly, both of yeah. these things are always going to have a place, I think. I don't For think sure. one replaces the other. No. Um, digital certainly, that's what, digital is not replacing everything. I think there's a lot of room for things like what you're doing so it's wonderful well yeah they they really coexist uh -huh. because if you look at spotify or yeah. or title or any streaming service yeah they're actually helping people discover vinyl that's and, true and what's right. happened and you'll see if you go on spotify uh if you go to an artist page and you're listening to an album there's mm -hmm. typically you see the vinyl record sold there 
yeah. on Spotify. Right. And you don't see that with CDs or, or tapes. Um, it's typically always vinyl. Because okay. that's the most Because that's popular. the ultimate, like... It's, it's the one. Yeah. But a lot of people are mm-hmm. using Spotify to discover music that they've never heard. And going, wow, I really like this. I want the vinyl. Because I want that in my house. And I want it to be a representation of of what I'm listening to when my friends come over or, right, or right. something like that. Okay. And what's unique is the majority of vinyl purchasers these days are under 30. Yeah, so because yeah, they're rediscovering it. Yeah, and it's mm. it's completely new. There's, uh, like, Urban Outfitters is one of the biggest uh, suppliers of vinyl now, mm. and they're purchasing a lot of exclusives uh, for uh, major artists and for sale only in their stores. Right. And... Their main customer is a 15-year-old teenage girl or something, and they're getting into vinyl. Uh-huh. Um, it's not even that um, an older generation person is rediscovering their right. love for it, which yeah, also yeah. happens, but it's, it's truly unique. This is, no, it's a totally like yeah. fresh market there it's for sure. completely yeah. fresh. Well, the other, the other point that you're bringing up there, really, is that you know, for an artist, they're really going to make most of the money on selling a vinyl record. Right. Yes. They make very little from what they get. Like if their song yeah. plays on Spotify, they get like a penny or something, right? So, yeah. if you on Spotify, to to make one dollar, yeah. you need three hundred and seventy eight streams. <laughs> wow. So okay. So if, so, but if you think of that, but then yeah. if you think, okay, well, I'm doing the Spotify, mm-hmm. you know, because why not? But it also is just marketing. Yeah. For the vinyl record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Right. And and. Spotify and streaming services in general, Apple Music and Tidal, yeah. um, they, especially Spotify most recently, they're really getting panned for their payment structures. But yeah. I think it also is important to remember what the music industry looked like in 2005 and how streaming really is the first step to remonetization of music. And it is a step forward. Is it perfect? Definitely not. Um, physical media is going to make the most money for for artists, one hundred percent. But yeah. it's it's a lot. It's a big step forward from from file sharing and free music and unable to monetize it at all. So yeah, yeah, I, I do think streaming is a positive as well. I will yeah. say. But I was just reading um, that Adele she wanted to make five hundred thousand vinyl records of her yeah. record, mm-hmm. and then it was she was kind of like. Yeah, what would be the word? So she had just kind of commandeered all the production capacity yep. in the world for making vinyl records. So the other artists were kind of like mounting a boycott of her in a way. Yeah. So well, that, that was an interest. I don't know yeah, well, what you feel about that. But. Well, vinyl record manufacturing, it's still, um, there's still only a select few companies that are, are involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, I also have a background in vinyl manufacturing and previously was with a company viral technologies who yeah um is responsible for bringing vinyl uh record pressing machines back to the market right um and essentially about 50 percent of pressing plants in the mm-hmm. world today are using those machines so right so the capacity is really, growing it's growing but it's still a very um niche scene and there's still right. only uh a handful of manufacturers in each country mm-hmm. so um there's huge huge backlogs of, yeah. of pressing and even right now it's a massive shortage again you can't uh you can't get records out of a factory 
And this is something that when we set up, it's for us, it's very important. We, we have a private press that, that we do all of our stuff at that's only for right. our capacity. Yeah, that's and amazing. That's, it's actually yeah. essential for us to operate our business right. because a lot of record labels are struggling to mm-hmm. deal with what might be a 14 to 15 month lead time. Yeah. To, yeah. So if you license something and then you have to wait a year and a half to get out, get the record out. Yeah. Um, you might already be halfway through your your contract, the terms. Mm-hmm. If it's a three-year contract, then you only have a year and a half to sell the music before you lose the rights. So, um, so you want to get it out there. So for us, it's yeah. it, it, the whole thing goes back to that full stack thing. We, we need to be in complete control of every part right. of the process. Right. Um, and that's what sort of gives us our advantage mm-hmm. and allows us to sort of, I don't know, wiggle wiggle our way into the into mm-hmm. the top of, of the market, we think. Yeah, I, me- I remember uh, back in the 80s when I started my first, like my publishing company. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in a publishing company. So mm-hmm. we were, the, and it was electronic publishing. Like we were the first company in Canada to do that because I, I had uh, worked at the Apple store in Toronto. Just, I kind of hung around there and they gave me a job and I just got to know how to use the Mac to publish things. You know, mm-hmm. I'd also been in journalism, so I had all that coming together. And then, uh, but the key was that I invested in uh, a laser printer. Mm-hmm. It was $20,000. Like it was great. Like, like you can buy a laser printer for wow. $100 now, right? Yeah. But no, yeah, so I, but I gave me a huge advantage. Like we made like a million dollars in revenue in the first couple of years just from mm-hmm. the fact that we had that machine. Yeah, right? exactly. Because no one else had it. Like we yeah. were the only one. So we could do so much more, so much quicker. Because before that, I'd have to go to a service bureau to get it done, and, and mm-hmm. it'd stand in line, and it was just ridiculous. So, so we invested the twenty thousand, which is that's in nineteen eighties dollars too. Yeah, I know. I can it. imagine that's, yeah. that's but, a uh, but you know, so that was my big, my first big leap as far as being an entrepreneur. Yeah. But it was totally worth it. Like it was. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're completely in the same place here. Well, yeah. Any that. any sort of step of the process yeah. where we're able to to take it away from a third party it's just you get so much more control and you uh-huh. also you get so much more um opportunity to move things around in in your release schedule yeah like we we are a record label so we make a release schedule for say 2022 yeah. and we say this is the records that we're releasing this year and obviously before the street date which is the street date is basically uh the date that it's supposed to hit shelves in, in a store. Right. So when you're working up to a street date, you obviously need to have records to a distributor a month before that so they have time to distribute it to the stores. Um, and by mm-hmm. having access to our own manufacturing and as much in-house stuff, we can be moving around our dates right up as close to that street date as possible and wiggling mm-hmm. stuff around. And Right. You have a lot more control. Too. Yeah. And yeah. You're also not um, subject to, I don't know, supply j- supply chain delays that you don't already know about and stuff like that. Right. So right. Um, that that's really our goal to bring everything in house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a cool uh, trend in the world, and I think you're right on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one last thing. Yep. So. Uh, so you've started this business and it's going pretty well, mm-hmm. and I can I, I I'm pretty sure it's going to be amazing. So mm-hmm. you know, all Thanks. fantastic. <laughs> um, and uh, but if 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 you're so you're going to give advice to someone else who wanted to start their own business because like like 
like you and like me, mm-hmm. we both had a job at one point and then we decided yep. to start a business, right? So it was yeah. this leap into being an entrepreneur, right? So what would you give your number one bit of advice to someone that said, I'm going to start a business. It doesn't matter what business it is. It'll mm-hmm. be my record company, right? Yeah. Just the business. What would be that one tip that you might give them at this point? Um, so the, the big tip that I would give uh-huh. um, is you can make a really solid business plan. And obviously you have to, before you, you take a big leap, you, you should have at least a plan on paper with, with sort of loose financial, well, not loose, even pretty solid financials and, and a plan for say uh, a year runway and then maybe a five-year goal yeah but my even as solid as that plan is on paper to actually move forward and do it in real life there there is a little bit of a a leap of faith yeah and if you're sitting on an idea that you've been you you're solid and you're 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 sort of confident that it it might work just do it like that's honestly that's the, honestly yeah. the biggest yeah, piece yeah. of advice I would give because there's a million reasons why you shouldn't do it, uh-huh. but the one reason why uh, like just taking that leap of faith it, it's it's not going to start until you mm-hmm. you um, you actually try it. And yeah, then yeah. The more I guess sound and on paper advice would be to um, just seek legal counsel if it's something like a record label yeah the thing that made us successful is that we we do have our legal framework especially for licensing agreements and right it allows us to um move forward knowing that there's no gray area but mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. just do it yeah that's yeah the advice. well and the, the other thing you did which is what i did actually mm-hmm. is i had this job and you know it was okay like i was in the industry i wanted to be in but it wasn't very much money right mm-hmm. um and uh and I just couldn't stand having a boss. But so mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, so I started planning my business and I started running it kind of at night, you know, on the side. Right? I, wasn't mm-hmm. do, I wasn't doing anything at the office. I didn't think yeah. that was right. But, but I, when I got home, I would do it. Right. And, uh, and I was building it up and then I put my notice in and they were like, I can't believe you're quitting this job. You know, you're, and then you're going to start your own business. That's crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, I made like the, the first year three times more than I made in the job. Yeah. Like right away, I made three times more. Like that was, I worked more. I frankly, you know, it was it was way more sure. than nine to five. Yeah. But it was my thing, and uh, and I go, God, help me if I hadn't done that, right? Yeah. So and so I, yeah. like, and even that's an example of you know you're you have your nine to five and you're focused on it and you're putting all of your effort into that. But yeah. from eight to ten p.m., if if you have an idea. You're, you were just you were just starting it up and mm-hmm. you, were, you were actually doing it and making progress and then once you have a framework there when you make that jump to this is what I'm going to do with my life yeah um, the focus that you have to put into it will also sort of yield results because you'll, there's you'll no be going focused back on now. there's no this is yeah. it, this is it. You, you have to make it work you jumped off the cliff now. yeah so that's it so yeah. I, it, I I mm-hmm. call it squirrel suiting Oh yeah, you know those guys. Yeah, I know. They wear the squirrel suits and they jump off a mountain. That's starting a business. Exactly. You have to squirrel suit it. The thrill. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Every day, we'll just you won't you won't be able to stop thinking about it, but you'll make it work. And uh, the best um, way to make it work is is just having having some pressure, and that's what I think having a business is is the pressure. You gotta you gotta like the pressure. Yeah, you gotta. It's the pressure cooker. Yeah, yeah. You gotta think that's actually part of the fun of it, really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's been a great uh, conversation um 
again, I wish you all the well, all all the best mm-hmm. in uh, in what you're doing, and um, we're gonna keep track of it. Now, if somebody wants to go to your website, yep. Uh, what's exactly? I'm gonna put the link on the video, but what what is it? Um, yep. So you can go to www.notdarkyetmusic.com. Yep. That, uh, that's where we sell all of our web store editions. You can find all of our records on that yeah. uh, on that website, and those will be the the funky color editions usually. Yeah. Um, we're also uh, distributed through companies like Light in the Attic uh-huh. in the U.S., yeah. um, HHV in Europe, Rush right. Hour, um, Disc Union in Asia. Uh-huh. If you're if you're in Japan. Um, uh-huh. And you can just search for not dark yet music or Toot Factory music, and right. yeah. And it was, you're also on um, Instagram. In Instagram there. as well. So at, at not dark yet music. Uh, just yeah, at just dark, not dark yet. Yeah. Music. There's there's the uh, yep. Give Instagram us a follow page. Okay. Good. And we basically just to go further, we're doing all of our releases on the first of every month. Okay. So you know, at the, on the first of every month, what's coming out. Um, for, like a for drop, like month. a drop. Yeah, we do it's we do drop. Mon- monthly drops. So yeah. um, our next one will be on March first. We, yeah. we just did our February first, so we have a uh, four four records out for February, and we have more planned for for March. So excellent. Tune in on the first. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Alex. And okay, thanks, uh, enjoyed having you here. Okay. So okay. So uh, thanks for uh, listening in. So every uh, few weeks, we're going to release another. Um, episode of Big Idea Television and essentially what we do is we interview people uh, who are just starting a business or had a business for a long time and we're just trying to find out how they got the business started, how it all works and uh, just get some advice for everybody on being an entrepreneur and so on. So thanks for uh, thanks for coming and we'll look forward to seeing you at the next um, event and, and don't forget to uh, share this with other people and to subscribe to the Big Idea Television channel on YouTube. Thank you.